0: The March meeting. OK, so here's how here's how I'm thinking about the March meeting. I do think it will be appropriate to raise our target range for the federal funds rate. And I'm inclined to propose and support a 25 basis point rate hike. And so the question now really is how the invasion of Ukraine, the ongoing war, the response from nations around the world, including sanctions, may have changed that expectation. The thing is, the, the economic effects of these events are highly uncertain. We, we can't know how Large or persistent, those effects will be. It's too soon to say for sure, but for now, I would say that we will proceed carefully along the lines of, of that plan.
1: Welcome to Deconstruct. I'm your host, Isabella Farr, and today we're digging into mortgage rates. The Fed is expected to approve a quarter of a percentage point hike on rates, a raise that will make borrowing more expensive for home buyers and commercial investors. And now, the inflation caused by the war in Ukraine has introduced another variable to the lending puzzle. So what should borrowers expect? Reporter Susanna Kavanaugh has the story. So interest rates, they may not be sexy, but boy are they pertinent. As anyone who's bought a house or a building or refinanced over the past couple of years knows, the mortgage rate environment has been very friendly to borrowers. And that's thanks to the Federal Reserve. When the pandemic hit and 100 million people lost their jobs, the Fed dropped already low interest rates to near zero. That stimulated borrowing and held up the economy. And since March 2020, those rates have stayed low, hovering below one-tenth of a percent.
2: The Fed has kept interest rates low in an effort to help to maintain high employment. So the Fed has a dual mandate. Their mandate is both to keep a lid on inflation, but also to boost employment. And so they have assessed that with the pandemic, uh, it was important to keep interest rates low as a way of boosting the labor market.
1: That's Martha Olney, a teaching professor of economics at UC Berkeley. So on Tuesday, fittingly two years to the day since the Fed dropped rates, they're looking at a bump.
2: There were price increases that we saw starting some months into the pandemic. And initially the language was, we think this is transitory. In the sense that we think that the forces that are causing prices to go up will be here only for a few months and then they will disappear.
1: A lot of those price increases were caused by supply chain disruptions, which we thought would abate, but... A
2: couple of things. One, the supply chain disruptions have lasted longer than I think many people predicted. And so transitory is turning out to be a little bit longer than a couple of months. Second is the wage increases taking hold and being perpetuated into the future. That creates a concern that, oops, we're not in that scenario. We're going to have inflation on the order of, say, 5 perhaps 6% for a while.
1: That's because when wages go up, it's good for workers, but it also pushes up the price of goods. And that's led to the
2: expectation that inflation will last. And that also leads to, is a self-fulfilling kind of thing, where when we start to expect higher inflation, then we wind up getting higher inflation.
1: Obviously, right now, inflation is high. You've probably seen it in your grocery bill. Rents are also going up. And last week, gas prices, which were already not looking great, broke records as the impact of the war in Ukraine hit oil. To
2: see numbers that are comparable to what we have today, we really have to go back to the 1980s. So the last time inflation started taking off like this and soared up to 6 or 7 percent was in the 1970s. And then there was a decade of pain until we broke the back of inflation in the early 1980s.
1: So how do we break that cycle? we look to the Fed to push up interest rates. And when interest rates go up, it becomes harder for businesses to borrow, as well as consumers, which leads us to... Melissa Cohn. I am the regional vice president of mortgage for William Ravis Mortgage. Before the pandemic, the rate for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, a benchmark measure for lending, was in the high three percentage point zone. When the pandemic
3: blew us all up in March of 2020 and the Fed cut rates to zero, so mortgage rates dropped by a full percentage point inducing a lot of people to want to go purchase homes to take advantage of these historically low mortgage rates so these ultra low interest rates really got the real estate market you know into high gear and it's remained in high gear ever since then
1: But throughout that time, mortgage rates have fluctuated, and that's because interest rates aren't the only thing that affects mortgage rates. Higher inflation can drive up rates. If wages are rising, folks have more to spend, demand for homes increases, and lenders can raise rates. But if the market is tight and there are fewer homes to buy, that can also push rates up. So throughout the pandemic, it's been a little bit of a big seesaw.
3: Mortgage rates actually started to go back up this past summer when it appeared that COVID was under control and the economy was booming. And we saw you know, the unemployment rate getting much better when the Fed announced that they were going to have to raise rates in order to fight inflation. Mortgage rates did go up again. In fact, I would say since the beginning of the year, mortgage rates have probably gone up close to five eighths, three quarters of a percent. Then the war struck and war is considered to be bad for the economy or potentially mortgage rates dipped briefly. But then when the war became all about oil and oil prices started surging, mortgage rates turned around and have since then gone back up. So these surging oil prices, they're yet again another game changer.
1: And that brings us to now.
2: I live in California and I was out running errands this morning and saw gas over six dollars a gallon.
1: Now. That inflation is most likely not going to impact what the Fed decides to do for now.
2: The Fed's decision is is always based on a consumer price index that does not include food and energy prices. And so the Ukraine war should not directly impact, particularly it's not going to impact what they do on the 15th and 16th.
1: But because we know higher inflation can drive up mortgage rates, those oil prices are something that needs to be considered.
3: We are in uncharted waters. The Fed, they hopefully realize that they have absolutely no control over oil prices. So while the Fed can um, engineer our economy by raising and lowering interest rates in terms of uh, making borrowing cheaper to corporations and to individuals, uh, the cost of something like oil, which is such an important component of our life, they have no control over. So it may be that whatever the Fed does, does nothing to the economy.
1: So what can borrowers expect from these twin catalysts, the Fed's rate hike and inflated energy and food costs, both of which could
2: drive mortgage rates higher? 25 basis point increase shouldn't have a huge impact on borrowers. First
3: of all, the market has baked in the expectation that the Fed will raise rates. You know, at one point a month ago, they were saying, well, maybe the Fed will have to raise rates by a full percentage point. And Powell came out, and I think it's pretty clear that he was only going to raise rates by a quarter point.
2: Now, if we do 25 basis points several times in a row, so by the time, you know, if we get to a 200 basis point cumulative increase, then we're starting to have an impact on borrowers and on the cost of a mortgage.
1: The Fed meets every six weeks or so, so we can conceivably see an increase of 2% over the next couple years.
2: What I would watch for is, are they doing increases at the meetings that are more than 25 or 50 basis points, right? So do they come out of a meeting with a 75 or 100 basis point increase? That's one thing that would make me sit up and go, ooh something's going on. The second thing that I would pay attention to is, do they have any rate increases in between the scheduled meetings? So when the 2008 crisis was unfolding, one of the moments that was the sit up, pay attention, I think we're all going to die here, moments was when the Fed on the weekend lowered interest rates. And so that's the kind of thing I'm watching for. Are they just Going along and we're going to have our meeting, we're going to raise interest rates at the meeting the way that we said we were going to, and they're not panicking, so we don't need to panic sort of thing. Or all of a sudden, are we seeing the feds doing an emergency meeting on a Saturday and announcing a raise in interest rates?
1: And taking the war into consideration. I think that we need to expect more
2: volatility. For example, I deal with a lot of people
3: who are buying new construction developments in New York City and elsewhere where they can't control their closing dates. You know, buying in buildings that won't be finished for three months, six months, nine months. That you need to sort of prepare yourself for the worst. That if you're entering into a new transaction today, do you qualify at today's rates? But will you qualify if the rates are half a percent higher?
1: One way home buyers can hedge against that is to consider floating rate mortgages. If an
3: adjustable rate is three quarters of a percent lower than the fixed rate, and you can lock in that rate for five, seven, or 10 years, perhaps that's a good alternative until such time that the world straightens itself out. I mean, what we do know is that rates will cycle. We're going to be in an economic conundrum for a period of time, but then we will work ourselves out of it. And then at some point, interest rates will come back down and we can always refinance. I think especially for younger people who may not expect to be in their homes for the rest of their lives, even though their parents are telling them they should be taking a fixed rate no matter what, they're looking at an adjustable rate is a good alternative and sort of a good way to help bridge the volatility that we are in and that we will probably be in for some time.
1: But don't expect those higher rates to make it any easier to buy a home in the near term.
2: Housing prices have just been insane over the last year. And a lot of that has been driven by a very cash-heavy market.
1: That's those private equity firms or well-heeled buyers who made even more money off the stock market's performance throughout the pandemic and tucked that away as savings. As an example, the financial workers we covered during our last episode who don't need to finance their home, they can just buy all cash. So those buyers won't be deterred by higher rates.
3: That's absolutely true that an unusually large percentage of purchasers today are cash buyers, much to my dismay. But as rates go up, and really it's a lot of it has to do, there's been an incredible wealth with the growth in equities and where stocks have gone. But as you know, we had when stocks dropped by 800 points earlier this week you know, that gives someone pause. Do you really want to sell your stocks at a low point? And I think that the volatility in the equities markets and unfortunately, as stock values have gone down, that that will maybe encourage more people to take financing and to be less of a cash buyer.
1: But it's important to note that rates, while they may rise, are still very low right now. When
3: I graduated and started in mortgages in
1: 1980.
3: You know, I was selling one-year adjustables at 16% and people were buying. You know, people were buying at 10%, at 12%. The goal, what I was always taught, was like if you can get that rate back to six percent, then you know you're golden. That's the magic rate. So here we are with rates that are still in many cases in the threes. People can still afford it. Maybe you have to buy a slightly lesser house, maybe you buy in a slightly lesser neighborhood, but People can still afford to buy,
1: and the same goes for commercial properties. This is Mark Fogel, CEO of Acres Capital, a commercial real estate lender.
0: I mean, if you're borrowing for, say, multifamily right now and you're at three percent, goes to four percent or four and a quarter percent. I don't think that makes a dramatic difference in your desire to invest. There's so much liquidity in the market, seeking out commercial real estate opportunities that I don't I don't see any slowdown respect to investment.
1: Unlike residential borrowing, Mark said many commercial borrowers have been opting for floating, floating rate loans, loan,
0: rates that have been historically low, and so you haven't seen a lot of people going into the fixed rate lending product, the long-term 10-year type loans. So what I think people are going to do is not so much dive into investing because of the fact that interest rates are rising, but what I see them doing is locking into longer term fixed rate loans as opposed to borrowing on floating rate situations where rates will rise and it'll affect the value and the cash flow is coming from their properties.
1: Plus owning real estate in a period of high inflation, which we seem to be facing for the foreseeable future, has its benefits.
0: There's less volatility with real estate, especially with say multifamily properties. I also think that in periods of inflation when builders are having a hard time building because of the cost of supplies, the existing inventory of properties benefits because there's no new supply coming on the market. So investors will have the ability to raise rental rates and returns will stay consistent, if not grow over the course of time.
1: Deconstruct is every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Or you can listen at therealdeal.com. For comments on this episode or in the series, or if you have an idea you'd like to share feel free to reach us at podcasts at therealdeal.com. Next week, we're talking to Adam Peori, the author of The Real Deal's new book, The New Kings of New York. Tune in then.